Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Areej Noor. On today's Women on the Line, we speak with Aisha Tufa and Sareti Kadir, co-founders of In Our Own Words, which is an organisation that exists to encourage the development of young Afro-black people through self-awareness, decolonial thinking and community empowerment. Last year, we spoke with these excellent women before they'd even launched their documentary, and now they're curating a whole day of workshops, panels and performances with amazing international and local guests called Black Voices. Aisha chose TK Maids' M.O.B. as the feature song for today, and I started by asking what they considered their professional bios versus their personal ones. So Reddy starts off. It kind of travels through my uh, my work experience from international aid and development when I used to work with the World Vision for two years, um, and then it moves kind of through into in our own words. And then in that space, there is you know um, the the Oral Youth Association. You know there is all of these little bits and pieces. But when I talk about myself personally, and also within the in our own words context context in the professional discourse it's referred to in a really hierarchical manner and in, in, in referring to myself as a director I feel like I have begun in the last couple of months especially trying to stay clear of referring to myself as a director and more so trying to decentralize that term and calling myself a community organizer because that's actually how I view myself in the context of my work um, and again within the within the personal bio I also refer to myself as an artist and as a cultural curator because these are things that I live and embody every single day in my work, not just within our own words, but also with, with my poetry. So I guess in a professional sense, when people ask me what I'm about, um, the first thing that comes to mind is that I'm a graphic designer. Um, I've designed uh, eight children's books with a publication company. I have also directed a documentary for a non-government organisation that I've co-founded, in our own words. Um, and I'm also the creative director of that. And I think what differentiates my professional kind of outlook on the way I describe myself and my personal is that I don't delve into the reason of why these things are so important to me. So, for example, the eight children's books are about revitalizing the way that we learn how to speak my native tongue, which is Oromo. And in a sense, all of these things are, I guess, um, I guess what I would what I would consider myself to be as an activist, so being active in these areas in trying to um, promote, I guess, self-determination in the things that I do. And the documentary that I directed was about um, a discussion about race and belonging, and it also included the voices of oral people, which was important to me. So it's more about um, the reasoning behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. So if it was professional, I think I'd just explain what I do. But when it comes to the personal, I would more so explain why I do these things and why they're so important to me. Essentially what we do in a few sentences is um, we work with or we appeal to predominantly the development of young people of Afro-descent, um, those living in the diaspora uh, for now. <laughs> and basically we have three pillars that we focus on. And so those three things are self-awareness, decolonial thinking and community empowerment. And um, I think the reason 
that in our own words is needed and is very significant, especially in the, I guess, the the embryonic nature of, of the African diaspora in, in Australia, it's a very new and evolving community, um, is that it creates a space that is space uh, that is safe specifically for black African people. And those spaces are very rare in an extremely polarizingly white Australia. And it gives the opportunity for um, young people of African descent specifically to connect with one another and to, and to explore facets of who they are, their community, their context, meaning Australia, um, in, in, a, in an environment that is actually catered towards nothing more than their growth as, as individuals and their community's growth. And also trying to get them to understand that, or get young people to understand within the African diaspora in Australia, that they are a part of a global community. And within Australia, they are also, I guess, they also have a responsibility to not only understand, but try their best in whatever way that they can in whatever space they exist to curate and to develop relationships that are genuine with the traditional owners of Australia, or who have also for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years been trying to counter this polarizingly white dominant Australian culture. Um, and so I think that's, that is why we exist, and, and I think it's a really important reason. Yeah, and I think just knowing that even, just say you meet other Africans that don't think it's important or something like that, I think it's just acknowledging that when you do have conversations about this or about blackness, in the presence of white people, subconsciously, whether or not you're aware of it, will be completely different to you having a conversation about blackness in a space that's just dedicated to you and something that's going to highlight your voice and centre your experience mm. in it, not in relation or not in proximity to, to whiteness. whiteness yeah. yeah. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Black Voices is, well, it started off as a conference idea that we wanted to have. Um, and it's kind of, we've broken it down into a festival that's happening um, throughout the day. So it starts at around 11 till about 8 or 9 p.m. And the, so that's what it is. And we've got workshops, we've got discussions, we've got music. Um, and obviously it centers Black Voices because that's what it's called. <laughs> Um, I guess the reasoning behind it is that each element of Black Voices kind of looks at connecting, mobilizing and empowering um, the global Black African diaspora because we want to make sure that we're connecting on an international level as well. So we've got some international guests coming through. But I think the focus that we're looking at is the, those three things that I just mentioned, connecting, mobilizing and empowering, just because they're really active things. And we want to make sure that the community is benefiting from this the most and that they're using this as their own platform. And also, I think, because this event is going to be very, very large and we want to be able to show young people within the African community here that there is really no limit to the type of things that we can do for our community. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we've been talking a lot amongst ourselves in planning this event about how we can get in, in its entirety the process to reflect the product yeah. and in meaning that trying to make sure that it's from the funding you know from from those who are who we are, we are paying to facilitate from the volunteers from the MCs everything reflects the product and the product is that connecting mobilizing and empowering you know the global black African diaspora um, and again the underlying theme to that 
is making sure that spaces are safe and catered to our people and what they need um, and, and in spaces in which they actually thrive. And so there are outcomes for every single workshop, for every single session, for every single discussion. And, you know, although the outcomes may differ in, in specificality, they are the same in that we want the effects to be empowering, to be mobilizing and to create mm -hmm. connections. Basically, it's for us by us. One of the sessions that I found really important, um, and I know something that is very relevant to you, Sereti, um, mm. is the decolonizing aid one. Mm. Um, and I think that that will be a really important discussion for the African community in Australia because mm. of perceptions of refugees and forgotten colonial histories and all of that stuff. Um, mm. How do you feel like... Firstly, why did you decide that was one that you wanted to do that is important? And also, mm. how do you think you're going to present that kind of narrative? And how do you, mm. you're going to shake up these wild binaries? How do you think you're going to do that? Mm. <laughs> well, that's, that's two very, very good questions. The first one was um, why, right? Why do we think this is the conversation and then how? Mm -hmm. um, so why is, is kind of because that was the vision when we began in our own words. And although the, 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 the way that we have tried to action that vision and end up actioning that vision has changed dramatically throughout this year, the vision has always kind of remained the same. And it is to move from engaging on a grassroots level to continue that grassroots engagement, you know, for the existence of in our own words, but then developing, you know, to also build an international network and then, and then looking at the relationship between the African diaspora and the African continent and how we relate to one another. And so this idea of decolonizing aid is less to do with talking about whiteness, but more to do um, with talking about how does the African diaspora actually view the continent, how does the continent view us, and is that relationship reciprocal economically, socially, and, and politically? Um, and I think for me the biggest thing in my experience with, with aid is that not only in, in the, on the continent and when you are actually in proximity with aid and development organizations that are very large and corporate and very white, um, are you bound by these thought processes that you cannot be anything if you are not you know what I mean, partnering with these bodies, but that, that thinking also exists within the diaspora that we can't actually function and that we actually won't move anywhere or go forward if these people are not a part of the picture, if these institutions are not part of the picture. And I know for a fact that that is not true, and I know for a fact that we know for a fact that the African diaspora is the most powerful entity that exists outside of mm -hmm. the continent that can help progress the African continent in whatever direction it wants to go. Um, but we need to begin to unlearn these thought processes that have taught us otherwise. How are we going to present that? That's a fantastic question. And I think having Salome Lema, the director of Africans in the Diaspora, which is an organization based in New York that looks specifically at the relationship between the diaspora and, and the continent and deals with the, the process of remittance and trying to create community, I guess, uh, community-owned networks that almost formalize a little bit this idea of remittance and, and give it a creative sort of structure um, in a way that it's, it, it's, um, it's being effective not to just individuals or families but to entire communities. And so how we present this, we're still kind of developing, but in having her a part of this conversation, a woman who has been doing this you know, for years and years and years on end and who has extremely experiential and professional knowledge in this area, and who was a part of the community, you know, she's a black African woman and I'm a black African woman, these comments and these conversations and these thoughts coming from us in itself is going to be the beginning in trying to break down these very, very polarizing ideas of what aid is or what development is. So another topic that I think 
is really exciting that I saw in your program is the one that relates to the glass ceiling. Um, yes. And you mentioned how the glass ceiling applies to Africans. Um, but I wanted to kind of hit it from a different angle and relate mm -hmm. and, and kind of tackle how you guys feel. And I know you're actually going to do a whole panel and stuff about it, but how you feel yeah. the glass ceiling relates to African women specifically because that intersectionality really is quite a big thing. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's imperative for us to focus on things like intersectionality because if we have, if we normalise discussions like this, we, you know, we're using language that makes it easier for people to talk about their experiences because we're talking about these things centred around our identity, multiple identities, not just one. And so we get to look at things that, like things, we get to look at how gender influences how you experience racism or class or how class is affected by sexism and racism. So like how all of these things interrelate. Um, but I just feel like once you when there is an understanding and we are able to have a conversation about these things, we can really begin to understand how gender, race and class kind of mediate and shape our experience mm. as black women in the workplace or even at home or just in the community. And especially looking at the people that are involved in black voices and the, the results that are going to, that are going to happen after black voices. We're looking at local businesses in the area as well. And a lot of them are run by black women. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of them, they hold it down like no other. Um, and, you know, that I just feel like because they're at the forefront of what they're doing, you know, it means that at least half the population of the African diaspora here is being represented. And I think that's it's really powerful because, it, you know, it relates back to agency over affairs that directly affect us. And it means that we have access to language so that we can actually voice how we feel about these things and do something about it. When because this is this is the inaugural the inaugural conference I guess or you know meaning that it will happen again, and so we set precedence with the type of conversations that we have at Black Voices this year. And if we don't do things like center intersectionality, center Black women, um, center the I guess everything that is intersectionality in Black women in our conversations about class, about racism, about sexism, about everything, the expectation will be that. We don't do it next year, or that we set that we set that tradition that that's mm. not what we're about, and that is what we're about. And people need to understand that, and they need to understand that if they're going to engage in our work, they need to be open-minded enough to um, at least listen to these ideas if they have never had the chance to to do that, and to listen to the voices of other people within their community. And I think another thing that we really want to instill in people when having conversations about class and black women is that if you're dismissing a black woman's voice in this conversation, you're not just dismissing a voice, you're actually denying a human experience. And by denying a human experience, you're denying a person's humanity. And that person and those people are within your community. Um, and I think I, I think we plan to be very explicit about, about that, but also implicit about the way that we present it. Um, because I guess going back to the embryonic nature of having these conversations within the African diaspora in Australia, people are not used to these conversations. And mm. so we want to ease them into it, but we also don't want to shy away from the reality of what having and not having these conversations means. Yeah. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. Don't forget you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. I think 
that you're really intentional in the way that you're curating this whole forum. Like I, I could see it in everything that's being done, okay? Mm. Um, and one of the really intentional things that I can see is that it's being held in Footscray, which is literally the heart of the African diaspora mm-hmm. in Melbourne. Why is that? But mm. also how are you going to incorporate the fact that it's going to be based in Footscray within the actual forum, the actual conference itself? And I think the, the reason it's in... Footscray, yes, because it is, you know, the epicenter of, of Melbourne's very vibrant African community. And, also you know, located there. Yeah, and also, yes, yeah. we are located there as an organisation. Yeah. Um, but also incorporating, you know, the process of displacement that, that the African mm-hmm. identity is facing in Footscray into the, the outcomes and actions of black voices is, is quite an intentional thing that we're trying to do. And so when you have a look at some of the workshops and, and you're looking at a lot of the things centered around gentrification, the conversations are going to include business owners in Footscray. And there will be decision makers and, and people in policy making and things like that that actually have influence um, in how these rep- businesses are represented at these levels that will attend and listen to these voices. And on top of that, we have, you know, people within our team who are dedicated every single day in trying to actually push this community to a point where they are expressing an actioning agency over their neighborhood identity. Yeah, shout um, out to Mariah. She's, yes. uh, she's one of the main women that are working on this project as well. Um, and so it's looking at taking action. So this was the thing about mobilizing that we we're talking about, looking at what small businesses can do in terms of staying informed, in terms of restrictions that they might face in parking and things that might um, make it difficult just to run your everyday business. <laughs> But these, these things are symptoms, again, of, of a process yeah. of displacement and gentrification. And, and also giving, giving the community access to a platform as large as Black Voices um, and having that platform, I guess, become open to you by your community, not by a foreign entity saying, you know, here is me helping mm-hmm. you out now. We're just as invested as someone who has to go and buy her hair extensions from Footscray to Braden. I'm just as invested in Footscray staying African as any of these business owners are. So we're, the position of power there is quite level and we're working together, you know what I mean, to see this become a reality for all of us. Um, and so the relationships that we're building in the process of putting black voices together are relationships that, got, that are going to exist for years and years and years on end. And so it's a very, very powerful the, the planning process itself is very powerful and meaningful. Not just the relationships between the people in our community, but also solidifying our presence there as well and making sure that that's known and that that's valued also. Where in Footscray is it going to be held? What time? What date? Uh, how much is it going to cost? Who's coming? Everything. All mm-hmm. of the information. Plug it. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's going to be at Footscray. It's literally going to be throughout the centre of Footscray. There's more than one location. So we have the stage which is free um, to access for the public at Madden Square. Um, and then we've also got locations down Nicholson Street where we, where we will be running workshops as well. Um, um, the workshops will be... T- do you want to explain the workshops? I'm just going to say the locations for the workshops will be announced on the day because it doesn't really matter um, to buy your mm. tickets where the locations are for the workshops. They're just within the vicinity of Madden Square. And Madden Square, the address is 2 Chambers Street, Footscray. Very easy to find from Footscray Station. Ticketing is in uh, passes, and so you can buy a ticket to go to one workshop, you can buy a ticket to go to two workshops or three workshops, and there are concession and full fare prices. I would be lying if I told you I know every single one of those prices off by heart, but you can head to Black Vo- the Black Voices event page on Facebook and check, uh, and check that out. 
Um, who will be coming? Great question. Aisha, do you want to kick it off? Yes, we have, um, okay, so we have three international guests that are coming through. We have Sal- uh, Salome Lemma, who we just spoke about um, in terms of the work that she does in decolonizing aid. Um, so she's based in the US. And then we also have Akala coming down, based in the UK. Yay. So I, I don't know how to describe him. He's a poet, journalist, rapper, activist, everything. Um, um. Yeah, and we have um, Shola Amu, who is a Nigerian yep. uh, UK uh, filmmaker and artist, and his work has been kind of broadcast all over the world. His short films are really, really uh, well known, and he does a lot of work also um, within the space of uh, making visible the, the 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 experience of displacement and gentrification within neighborhoods. And so he will be part of the conversation that we're going to be having on that. Um, so very excited to have him um, as well. So these are the three kind of international guests that are coming through. But on top of that, we're going to be having so many local artists that are going to be performing, local facilitators, local speakers, and all of this is to be announced in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you're following our social media, in our own words, on Facebook. Yeah, but that's it. And we're excited. And it's the 12th of December, and it starts at 11 o'clock, and it will finish um, at 8 o'clock. So it's a whole, whole day, but it'll be worth it. For more information about In Our Own Words and Black Voices, jump on facebook.com slash I-O-O-W online and follow the event links. You can also follow them on Twitter and Instagram at In Our Own Words and you can also hit their website up, inourownwords.co. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email at womenontheline at hotmail.com. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au slash womenontheline. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. And today's feature song was chosen by Aisha and called MOB by Adelaide-based bombshell TK Maitza. Thank you for listening in. I'm a regional and I hope you can tune in again next time. Don't do the fast all this and they get it. Hey.